So today, we're going to continue in Psalm 119. And I was thinking about the overall picture of this particular psalm and what it says to us and what it means and, and, and all of the things. I mean, what's unique, I guess, about this psalm is it, it really points to a great dependence on God's Word. And I really started looking at, at our lives, and I started looking at it in the reflection of the Scripture, and, and what is God saying here, and, and what is God saying specifically to me. And it kind of reminded me back, took me back to a message I preached actually at a, uh, a summer camp for our college students a long time ago. Uh, I was a college pastor at a previous church, and um, I, I'll never forget, I said this phrase, and our college students have never forgotten this phrase either. Um, I was telling a story, and I said, you know how when you have crabs in a bucket, a lot of us go to, go to the summer, go, in the summertime we go to the beach and we'll catch crabs uh, on the beach, or maybe uh, you go to one of these places in Panama City where you can buy crabs, I don't know, but you've seen crabs in a bucket before, don't pretend like you haven't, okay? Like you know what crabs in a bucket are like. Right, And you see one crab, and he's trying to climb out the side of the bucket, right? And what do the other crabs do when that crab tries to climb out of, the, out of the side of the bucket? They grab him by the leg, and they pull him back down in the bucket with the other crabs, right? Am I right? You've seen that. You know, I, look, I'm telling the truth, right? Okay, so shake your head. Yes, Kenny, I've seen crabs pull other crabs down. So does anybody know why they do that? I ain't got a freaking clue. And that's what I told our college students. Do you know why a crab pulls the other crabs down? The, the other crabs pull one crab back down the bucket? I said, I ain't got a freaking clue. And I said that to our college students, and I promise you that has never left them. They, they'll still remember. You remember the crab story you told us, Kenny? Like, yeah. Did you remember what the message is about? No, but I remember the crabs in the bucket, though. So when you go out of here today, I promise you... <laughs> What you will remember, your crabs in a bucket, and you'll be telling your friends, our pastor told this story today about crabs in a bucket. What was the message on? I don't know, but let me tell you about crabs in a bucket. But you know, there's an illustration there, right? So pastors are notorious for doing this. They'll give you a, a mental picture or something, but there's an illustration there. That's our lives, isn't it? That's the people around us, isn't it? That as soon as we try to start working our way up, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're on a different path, right? We're, so people start to see a change in us and they start to see that God's at work in our lives and all of a sudden we got a passion to go and give money and, 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 and like go take a guy in Haiti, a motorcycle, you know, like, like that drives us. Like, like all of a sudden people are wanting to learn sign language so that they can speak to people that, that have special needs and and like things in your life are starting to change and, and all of a sudden in your work environment you're starting to act different. You actually, you know, read God's word and take God's word around with you and people are like, man, there's something different about you. And what, what happens? As soon as you start to pursue God and start to pursue God's way for your life and you have a greater dependence and a greater need on, on God in your life and all of a sudden the people around you, what do they start doing? They start pulling you back down, don't they? Like, oh, you need to come back down here with us. <laughs> You're getting a little too holier than thou, right? So we need to pull you back down here with us, right? I say that holier than thou thing, and I see, like, all across the building, there are the grins that, that are coming across people's faces. Like, I mean, how many times have you been called holier than thou, right? Like, as soon as, as you start to pursue God, and you start to care about God, and you start to go to church, oh, you're getting too holier than thou, man. 
You're getting too holy. What are they, what are they trying to say there? What are they trying to say there? It, it's funny. It's funny because what they're trying to say is that you're looking down on them. That you're looking down on them because now you have this relationship with God and that puts you on a higher plane. And because it puts you on a higher plane, you're looking down on them and you're holier than thou. You're, you're holier than they are. So you're on a whole different plane now. The reality is that as you start getting closer to God, as you start having a greater dependence on God, it doesn't put you on a higher plane, it puts you on a lower plane, and you start looking up and you see your desperate need for salvation, a desperate need for a Savior, because you see the place that you're really in. So in reality, they're saying you're up here, but in reality, you're further down, you're, you're lower. And, and when you start to look at them and you start to talk to them about their desperate need for Jesus Christ, man, you're looking at them saying, man, look, we all need Him. We all need Jesus, every single one of us, because we're all jacked up. I just, I, I started looking at him. I started listening to him. I started pursuing him. And the only thing that separates me from you is that you hadn't seen what I've seen yet. I'm not better than you. Man, man, we're all in this together. We're all trying to do our best. I'm just trying to do it through him. I'm just trying to do it through him. Now, it changes the way that I think. It changes the way that I do some stuff. Yeah, it does. Can't help that. When I started talking to God and he started showing me some stuff and I started listening, it seemed like the more that I listened, the more that I obeyed, it's like the, the better my, my view got of God and the better my view got of myself and, and I was able to see life in a different way. And I had this thing that came into my life that crept into my life that I didn't really recognize before and it's this thing called hope. And I recognized that in the place that I was in, in my desperate need for, for something, that God had that. And I found hope, and I didn't want to let go of it. So as I pursued God, and I pursued this hope that he gave me, it just changed some things about me, and I couldn't help it. It's just the way that it happened. The only reason that they look at you different, the only reason that they, they say you're holier than thou, it's because they just, they just hadn't had their eyes open yet. They, they just hadn't seen what you've seen. They, they hadn't seen how beautiful this hope is, this, this promise that God has given us. They hadn't seen it yet. And the people that persecute you, your enemies, the, the difficult trials that you have as a result of people coming against you, man, they need that same hope. They just hadn't seen it yet. There's so many people in this world going around without hope. You see them at funerals, and, and they're just absolutely devastated, screaming, crying out. They don't know what to do because their loved ones, they don't have hope that they're, they're in the presence of God. As Christ followers, yeah, we get upset. We miss our loved ones when they pass on, but man, we have hope. So we look at things differently. We act differently. We're not holier than thou. We just, we're just pursuing hope just like everybody else. We just, we just have figured out that that exists in Christ. And that's the only thing that's different. So they will. They'll, they'll, they're going to try to pull you back down. All right? You, you start pursuing this hope. You start pursuing God. And your life starts to change the result. And you're like, I want more of it. I really do. I just want more of what God has to offer because I enjoy this hope that he gives me. They're, they're going to they're start to try to pull you back down. That's just the way that it is. You need to be prepared for that. One of the things we like to do in here is try to prepare you for being out there. 
in the confines of this room. It's very secure, it's very safe, and we feel like you're among other believers and it's a very safe place for you. When you get out there, it's different, isn't it? Because you're around a lot of people that don't have that hope. So, man, things look a lot different. And it's a lot harder for you to stand strong in the face of all of that. All that garbage that's coming against you. All the people are trying to pull you back down in the bottom of the bucket. How, how are we supposed to do this, y'all? I mean, how are we supposed to stand strong in the face of all of that? How, what, what are we supposed to do? How, where are we supposed to get that strength from? I know, like, I know that the Holy Spirit exists and dwells within my heart so that he can remind me of the things that I should do. He's my comforter so when I'm hurting, I can go to him. I understand all of that. But there's another piece that so many of us are overlooking, and it's God's word. It's his precious word that gives us this hope. And we neglect it, y'all. Like, if you really want to resist those people pulling you back down into the bottom of the bucket, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is to to listen to this word, to read this word, and let it dwell richly in your heart. And here I think we see the psalmist in this place like, like, man, there's these people crushing against me. I don't know what to do. And he talks about how bad they are, and he talks about how good God's word is. And how he needs to get his focus off of them and his focus on God's word. So let's look at what Psalm 119 says to us. I'm not going to say as much today. We're just going to let God's word speak and we're going to listen to what God has to say. Oh, the precious word here in verse 57 of Psalm 119. I mean, we could preach for a day and a half on one verse, right? Lord, you are mine. What a great way to start off today, right? You are mine. You belong to me. As we talk about the world pressing in upon us and, and all the stuff that comes against us. Look, I know you got a boss, and I know he's mean, okay? Like, I know that, all right? I know that, that it's, it's sometimes, you, and, and you say, well, my immediate boss is not mean, but he, he's got a boss that's probably mean. So, anyway, you, you struggle in your work, and, and you struggle in school, and and, and there's change going on, and it's wrapping up the end of the school year, and some of you are going off to college, or, or you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your future, and some of you are in college, and you're trying to figure out what is my next step, what am I supposed to major in? Some of you are on the verge of, of, of maybe uh, a relationship where you're contemplating marriage. I mean, there's any number of things that would be going on right now in your life. You're trying to figure stuff out. You're trying to, I mean, and the world's pressing in upon you, okay? I got that. There's pressures of this world. But man, if we could just for a minute, just pause on that verse, that precious verse right there. Lord, you are mine. You are within grasp. You, you, you belong to me. Because I have put my faith and my trust in you and in you alone, Lord, you are mine. You belong to me. You are there for me. You're mine. The Lord of all creation is yours to be within, within reach. Lord, you are mine. Why do we worry about anything else, you know? If we got that promise, if we can look at God's word and see that, that you are mine, then I don't know why we would worry about anything else. That's all we need, isn't it? We could stop right there and say, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Look what else he says. It goes on the same verse. Listen to this. I promise to obey your words. Lord, you're mine, and I promise to obey your words. 
Now, now look at that. You would think that this, this ownership thing, that, that, that the Lord is, is His, the Lord belongs to the psalmist. Well, how often do you feel this desire within your heart to obey something that you own? That's a weird kind of twisted relationship there, isn't it? Like, like you're mine, Lord, but I'm going to obey what you say. It's weird how that relationship works with Christ. You're mine, you're within grasp. Well, what, what has to happen there in order for this to, to, to be true? You have to recognize who he is and the fact that his commandments, his ways, his truths are better than your ways and your truths, right? You're, you're within my grasp. You, you belong to me. I hold on to you. But you know what's best. You know what's best. I'm telling you, listen, folks. Listen, I, I'm begging you. This, his ways are best. We come in here every single Sunday and Wednesday, and we just have to acknowledge the fact that what he says, the way he points us, his direction is the way that we're supposed to go. If we go our own way, man, we're going to end up all messed up. He's mine. He belongs to me, but he knows what's best. So because of that, I'm going to acknowledge who he is and acknowledge that I'm going to follow him and obey his commandments. So right there, the beginning. Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words because of who you are. With all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful as you promised. I ponder the direction of my life and I I turn to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. And he doesn't just say that I'm just going to obey them. I'm going to run to them. I'm going to be so so in love with what you have to say that it's not going to hinder me in any way. I'm going to run to your commands. Evil people try to drag me into sin. Uh Oh, here's the bucket, right? Here's the bucket. You're in the bucket and you're trying to get out of the bucket. You're trying to get closer to God. You're trying to say, man, I don't want to be bound by the bonds of uh, of sin. This worry, this burdensome stuff, man, that comes at me. I don't want to be bound by that. I want just the freedom that exists in Christ. I want that desperately. Evil people try to drag me into sin. Here they are, pulling you back down into the buckets. But I'm firmly anchored to your instructions. You know the rope that you're holding on to as they try to pull you back down? His instructions. That, that's the rope we hang on to. That's the rope we hang on to. Because I promise you, every single day, they're going to be pulling, they're going to be pulling, they're going to be pulling. They're gonna be pulling. And you're like, man, i got to stay connected to God. i got to stay tied in with God. How am I going to do that? How am I going to stay connected with what God is calling me to do? The only way to do that is to, to fall in love with His instructions, to obey His commands. And that's the only way you're going to be kept from being pulled back down into the bucket, is to hold on to that rope that He has supplied us. This is a lifeline that He has given us, y'all. This is the life raft for all of us that God has given us. And I promise you, you'll be tossed to and fro in the waves and the wind and all of that stuff. And God has given us a life raft. He's given us one of those little circular ring things they throw into somebody that's gone overboard. Man, he's given it to us. And you're like, I don't want to be swept under the waves. I don't want to be taken hold of. Hang on to the rope. Hang on to the rope. I rise at midnight to thank you for your regulations. I am a friend to anyone who fears you. Anyone who obeys your commandments. Oh Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. I am a friend to anyone who fears you. Now listen. As your life starts to change, sometimes your friends change. 
don't they? As you start to hang on to the rope that God's provided you, I'm going to tell you right now that sometimes some things are going to change in your life. Some transformation is going to happen as God renews your mind, as he transforms your way of thinking. You're not going to be in alignment with some of those people who used to think the way you, the way you used to think is not in alignment with the way that they think. And we tend to hang around people that think the same way we do. People that have the same struggles in life because they're around the same age we are, or they have the same number of kids, or they have kids around the same age, and we tend to hang around those people. We, try to be, uh, uh, we tend to be more in agreement with those people because we know what they're going through in their life, and we're going through the same stuff. So we tend to hang around people that we're very much alike. That's going to happen naturally. And that's one of the reasons there's going to be some separation there is because you don't think the way they think. You don't have a lot in common anymore. So some people are going to come out, go out of your life. And that's the natural progression of what happens. I believe, though, that what God does is he fills your life with other people. That God fills any void or gap that may have left by those that have gone out of your life with people that, that love you and care for you and have the same passion and desire for God's word. I believe that God fills in the gaps in our lives. I could talk for a long time about that. I'll go on. Verse 65 says, You have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. He says, I I believe that, 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 that what you say is right, and I believe that your way is better. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. So there's a lot of things that could be said about this, but I will just point out this, that the good judgment falls in alignment with understanding what God says. Now, you, you may say, well, I, I need instruction on how to handle this particular situation in my life. Well, let me tell you that the more that you know about God's ways, the more that you know about the character of God and how God would have you to do certain things in your life, the more you'll be able to address all the other things in your life where I don't see a particular verse, I don't see a particular scripture, I just need to know what does God have me to do in this particular situation. And he will give you those skills of good judgment to say, well, this is a character of God. Would God have me to do this or would would he have me to do this? It's pretty obvious to me, based on what Scripture says and what I know to be true about God, that God would want me to do this instead. That it's understanding more about the character of God through His Word that now teaches you how to have good judgment and how to understand the things that maybe aren't laid out exactly in every single detail. So you understand more about the character of God. Like, I, 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 I don't have to tell my daughter, Cassidy, don't juggle chainsaws. Am I right? Don't do that. Don't stab yourself in the neck with a pitchfork. I don't have to tell her that. She knows that I desperately love her and I tell her not to do dumb things. So because she knows about the character of her father, she knows that, that she needs to exercise good judgment and not do those things because she will get in a lot of trouble for stabbing a pitchfork into her neck. You see what I'm saying? Like the more you understand about the character of your father, the more you're able to discern what is good and what is, what is not good. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. But now I closely follow your word. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Arrogant people smear me with lies. But in truth, I obey your commandments with all my heart. Who are arrogant people? Arrogant people are people who are full of themselves, right? That they think that their way is best. 
Am I right? So these are people that are against God, people that think that their way is the best way. So they're the ones that make up lies and try to, oh, you mean to tell me that if I'm a Christ follower, that somebody might make up lies about me in order to be able to smear my name? Could that possibly be true? Surely not. Surely that couldn't happen. Surely somebody that's full of themselves and thinks that their way is better than than God's ways, and and they're trying to pull me back down in the bucket, one of the ways they might be able to do that is by to make up lies about me, say things about me that aren't true. I know of a particular situation, and God just kind of put this on my heart, but God knows what's true about your heart. And if you've had certain things taken away from you because people have said things about you that aren't true, God knows your heart, and he knows exactly what was the intent of your heart. Their hearts are dull and stupid, but I delight in your instructions. Man, I like that. (laughs) Their hearts are dull and stupid. Probably didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? You'll probably go quote that one to your friends. (laughs) What did you all talk about in church today? Psalm 119, verse 70. Their hearts are dull and stupid. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Can you believe that the actual struggle, them pulling you back down into the bottom of the bucket, that actually teach me the fact that I need to hold on to your word, I need to hold on to that lifeline even more, because it's killing me? It's killing me. We're going to get into that in just, just a second. In verse 77, it says, Mercies so I may live. We'll go back up here and it says, Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. What you say is so much more valuable than anything, anything in this world. It's life. It's the words of life. Because it's the words of life, man, you know what we need more than anything else? Is an encouraging word, a word of hope to understand more about the character of God. How much is that worth to you? How, how precious is that to you? That God would, would choose to throw you a lifeline so that you could hang on to what is true and not be drugged down by the world or be crushed by all this other stuff. How precious is that to you? Verse 73. You made me. You created me. Now we're going back to this idea of the Lord is, is mine. He says, but I'm the Lord's too. You made me. You created me. Now give me a sense. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. Boy, that would be a good one to tattoo on your body, wouldn't it? You made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. May all who fear you find, me, find in me a cause for joy. For I have put my hope in your word. There's that, that precious four-letter word, that, that, that hope. I have put my hope in your word. That's, wh- that's where I find it. That's where all the hope that I have for my entire life can be. That's where that lifeline is that you've thrown to me is in your word. I know, O oh Lord, that your regulations are fair. You disciplined me because I needed it. Now let your unfailing love comfort me just as you have promised, your ser- promised me your servant. Surround me with your tender mercy so I may live. 
for your instructions are my delight. So, so one of the things that we need to do is we need to let the word of God kind of wrap us up. So, so to, for, for God's word to surround us, we need to be in the presence of his word. To be in the presence of his word means to, to do things like coming to church. You know what I mean? Like being around other believers who delight in his word. Reading God's word when it's not required of us or we're not in desperate need of something and we're just going to God with a big laundry list of things. But we have to surround ourselves with God's word so that when those times of struggle, when they hit, then we're just already surrounded with God's word. How much better is it to already be surrounded with God's word when difficult times happen as opposed to difficult times happen and, and you, you've been out of church and you've been away from God's word and the, the Bible on your counter is, has formed a layer of dust on top of it? The struggles are a lot more difficult at that point in time. And yes, you can go to God's Word and find solace in God's Word. But man, how much better is it to already be surrounded in God's Word, to know of His promises and to know of the hope that He provides. And then you're already there. You're already wrapped up in His arms of His Word. Surrounded. Surrounded. Bring disgrace upon the arrogant people who've lied about me. Meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commands. Let me be united with all who fear you, with those who know your laws. May I be blameless in keeping your decrees. Then I will never be ashamed. Never be ashamed. And one of the things that we struggle with is, is being that person that God has called us to be. We feel a sense of shame about it, which is absolutely ridiculous. But we're afraid to boast about the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Unless we're singing songs in here and raising our hands in worship, then we're not ashamed. And we go out there and we're afraid to say the name of Jesus or somebody see that we're reading the Word of God. And He's given us the very lifeline to life itself. The fact that His mercies are life and, and He's given us to us. And we're ashamed. He's given us life and he's given us his commands which are more valuable than, than millions in gold and silver and we're ashamed? I mean, I'm not saying you got to go around wearing a Christian t-shirt everywhere, but I'm saying, are you ashamed of the fact that you serve God and that you love God and that he is your creator? And you have a desire to be close to him, that he has given you this lifeline. You're trying your best to hold on to him and when people try to pull you back down in the bucket, you just say, enough's enough, I love God. He's changed me and he's given me hope and that's what I love about him. And if I follow your ways, I'm not going to have that hope. It's tough though, right? It's tough doing this. And he says, I am worn out waiting for your rescue, but I put my hope in your word. Once again, that four-letter word hope. He says, man, I'm, I'm weary. It's difficult. I, I feel like I'm withering away just waiting on you to rescue me, but I got hope in your word, your promises. It's about enduring to the end. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? I am shriveled like a wineskin in the smoke, but I have not forgotten to obey your decrees. How long must I wait? When will you punish those who persecute me? You see the struggle going on here, man. I'm trying, God, I'm trying. You throw me a lifeline. They keep trying to pull me back. I'm trying, God. When's it going to happen? These arrogant people who hate your instructions have dug deep pits to trap me. All your commands are trustworthy. Protect me from those who hunt me down without cause. They almost finished me off, but I refuse to abandon your commands. In your unfailing love, spare my life. Then I continue to obey your laws. 
Here he's saying, man, it is tough. It's difficult, and I feel like that I am wasting away. And I'm just wondering, when, when is the end going to come? Jesus, when are you going to return? I desperately need something to show me that this hope is going to come to fruition, that I don't have to, have to worry so much that, that eventually you're going to rescue me. Where do you find that promise of the fact that, that, that Jesus will return and, and that one day everything will be set right and, and eventually that, the, that, that all of evil will be thrown into a pit and abolished forever? Where do you find that hope? Where do you find the hope to hang on to the very end? You find that in God's Word. That's why it's so important. Your eternal Word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. Your regulations remain true to this day for everything serves your plans. If your instructions are sustained, hadn't sustained me with joy... I would have died in misery. I will never forget your commandments, for they, for by them you give me life. I am yours. Rescue me, for I have worked hard to obey your commandments. Though the wicked hide along the way, the way to kill me, I, I will quietly keep in my mind, keep my mind on your laws. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think on them all the day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. For they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers. For I am always thinking on your laws. I am even wiser than my elders. For I have kept your commandments. I refuse to walk in the evil, on any evil path. So that I, rem- I, will, I may remain obedient to your word. So... Here, one thing I want to point out to you. He says, I'm wiser than my elders. I'm, I'm smarter than those that are older, to, older than me. Why is that? Because he's following the ways of the Lord. Now, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy this. He says, let no one look down on you because of your youth, but be an example to them in the things that you say and the way that you live. Be an example to them in faith, in love, and in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12 is hung up in the children's department back there if you want to go look at it. Be an example to them. How can you be an example? How can you be wiser? How can you be smarter than those that are older than you? How can you possibly do that? It's kind of interesting to me that that we got people that come in here and listen to me stand up here and jibber-jabber about God's Word, and they're like, they're older than me. I'm like... I don't know i got any authority to be able to teach you God's Word. I don't know if i got any ability to do that. And the only way I've, I've got any, any wisdom in me is because of God's Word. That's the only way I've been able to grow. It's not something that happened overnight, y'all. It's not something that, that just all of a sudden just appeared. But what happened is, and, and Keith has been talking about this on Wednesday nights, he's talking about faith, is that, that over time, the process of understanding more about who God is, it, God just starts to dwell richly within you, and you just start to have this hunger and this desire for God's Word. You read more about the character of God, and you know what you want to know once you understand more about the character of God? You want to know more about the character of God and who He is. That's what you desire to know. And it's a process that happens. So this is the, the, one of the sections, one of the stanzas. It's broken up into 22 stanzas. This is one of the stanzas that we know very well. 
In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. We've heard that sung in songs, and we've, we've seen that plastered on every single piece of wood they got at Lifeway, right? I mean, we've seen it over and over again. I've promised it once, and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. So, so God's word is a, is a guide. It's a, it's a light to your path. So right now, it's a hot topic to talk about North Korea, right? So I'm going to talk about North Korea a little bit. I was watching something on YouTube. as a video the other day. And one of the things it had is it was talking about the zone between North Korea and South Korea. And how it's full of this beautiful wildlife. Like it's full of all these amazing trees and these species of birds and animals that don't live anywhere else in the world. And how amazing it was to, to look at all this stuff and people go there. They go to South Korea, not to North Korea, but they go to South Korea to, to look at, at all this amazing wildlife and all this amazing trees and, and vegetation that's growing between North Korea and South Korea. You know why it's so full of wildlife? And why it's so full of this amazing trees and, and all these plants and stuff? Do you know why? <laughs> because it's full of landmines. You can't walk through there. People can't go in there because they'll get blown up if they walk two feet. You know, I didn't mention that in the video, and that's the reason that there's so many birds there is because you blow up if you go in there. But this is the world that we live in, though. Isn't it, isn't it the, 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 the place that we're in, in the world, is that, is that if we're trying to take steps on our own, we're bound and determined to step on some landmines to do some things that are going to destroy our lives the only way to keep from doing that is to look at God's word which is a light unto our path it's a guide it shows us where to step what not to do what to do it's like walking this world is like walking around at nighttime and in the space between North Korea and South Korea and trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go without dying and the only place that you can find anything like that in this world, it's a place that is a, has a treasure that is worth millions in gold and silver. And that is in God's Word. So here's where it wraps up. I know some of you are kind of drifting off a little bit. Psalm 119, verse 13, 113, it says this, But I, I hate those who divided loyalties, but I love your instructions. Those with who are divided and where they're passionate. I hate, I hate to see people who are divided and where they're passionate, where their desires are. I hate to see that. He says, but I love your instructions. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Man, that four-letter word keeps jumping out at me in this passage that we've read today. Your word is my source of hope. Get out of my life, you evil-minded people. For I intend to obey the commands of God. Lord, sustain me as you have promised that I may live. Do not let my hope be crushed. Sustain me and I will be rescued. Then I will meditate continually on your decrees. But you have rejected all who stray from your decrees. They're only fooling themselves. You skim off the wicked of the earth like scum. No wonder I love to obey your laws. I tremble 
in fear of you. I stand in awe of your regulations. So here is where we kind of wrap up today. In the last few verses of this particular stanza, we see him once again. We see the psalmist looking at the reality that the people who are divided in their passions, the people that care, they, they may say that they care about the things of God, but they really care more about themselves. Or they try to hang in this balance between doing what they want to do and doing what God would have them to do. That they're divided in their hearts. And we know that a house divided cannot stand. That you can't, have, you can't serve two masters. They either love one and hate the other. The reality is that that if you truly love the Lord, if you love His decrees, if you love His commands, you love His laws, you love what He says, then you can't love the commands of God and not obey the commands of God. If you can't, you can't love the promises of God and all that He has in store for you and all the promises of God for Him to sustain you and His amazing grace to forgive you without looking at seeing that God's laws also says that there is amazing separation that exists when we walk apart from those laws as we love other things as we desire other things that there is devastation there was ruin there are landmines lurking all about you can't look at the whole of God's truth and say well I want to love this part but not love that part he said there are people that do that and those people their ways lead to destruction but when I love your laws, when I love what you have said, when I love your commands, when I obey what you have said, that leads to life. He doesn't say that he just obeys, but he says at the very end, he says, I tremble in fear of you. I stand in awe of your regulations. So is this a message about trembling in fear of God? The reality is that if, if God's ways are truly the best way for our life, and He is who He says He is. And He is the Lord of all creation as we know Him to be. And the reality is this, is that He knows what's best for our lives. And we should tremble in fear in knowing that if we go another way, it's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to destruction. He shows that. You know where He shows us that? That same hope that you have that one day God will rid all of evil and throw it into a pit and abolish it forever. That we find in his word those promises that we find there. We love to look at, look at evil and say we want evil to be done away with so we don't have to deal with it anymore. Well what if you're on the side of evil and you're not on the side of God? Does that mean that you want to be done away with and you want to be destroyed and, and separated from God forever? See you can't love both sides of the truth. You have to love the whole truth as it's written. And you can't live in this divided place in your heart. And you have to be fully committed to God's way and His plan if you're fully committed to God's way and His plan. You see what I'm saying? If you truly want the end that God has promised in His word, then you have to look at the whole of Scripture and you have to look at all of what He said and all of what He's promised. And you have to fall on the side of God's ways and His commands and His laws. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this word. God, I know that today has been a bit long as we've looked at so many passages all at one time. But God, the truth of this word is that you are where we find our hope. God, you are ours. We are yours. God, and we choose to obey your commands. 
because the whole of what you have shown us that you do away with evil, that you destroy evil. That at the end of the day, when all is said and done and Christ returns, that eventually what happens through, through, through all of tribulation and, and, and the years of peace and all of that, God, that what happens at the very end is that you abolish evil for good. So may we fix our eyes on you where we find our hope. And God, may we not have divided hearts where we say we want to live our lives but still obey your commands at the same time. God, may we have our hearts fully committed to obeying you and listening to you and looking at the whole of what you've said. God, you're where we find our hope. And maybe somebody today is struggling, God, because this world is difficult. Maybe they got friends that have left their lives because they looked at them and said that they're holier than thou. God, whatever the case may be, God, I pray that you speak to people this morning. God, I pray that you show them that you are good and you are gracious and your way is the only way that leads to life and your word is our lifeline and shows us that. So, Lord, be glorified now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?